Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the PGA DraftCast brought to you by WindDailySports.com. Just a quick reminder that WindDailySports doesn't just cover golf. They cover the NFL, the NHL, MLB, NBA, soccer, MMA, NASCAR, you name the sport. WindDailySports has projection models, optimizers, articles, and our famous Discord chat to cover it all. Now, if you click the promo link below and you type in WinBig or Green, you will get one week free of WindDaily. And then after that, it is just $5.99 per week for all of that, including some of our betting content. Now, let's get to the PGA DraftCast, where we have proven track records with Joel, Spencer, David, and myself. Let's have some fun. Get in the chat. Make sure you subscribe to the page, and make sure you hit the like button. Let's do this snake draft. Let's do the PGA DraftCast. Let's do it right now. PGA Nation! We are back, and we are back with the 151st edition of the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool, the last, the very last major of the year. It's a big deal, and of course, when there's a big deal golf tournament, we bring in the big guns to come draft with us, and that's what we've done tonight with maybe the biggest gun in golf sports betting in the Twitter world. Maybe. maybe. You know who he is. He needs no introduction of Mayo Media, of Odds Checker, the one and only Jeff Feinberg. Thanks for joining us. How you doing tonight? Uh, intro, too, too kind. Um, not deserved, but appreciated. I'm doing great. I'm, I'm honored to be asked to do this with you guys. I love the show. I, I think it's different than anything out there, like in the space. It's a lot of fun. Um, and I kind of want to redeem myself from last time because I thought I drafted the nuts. Like I thought I flopped the nuts, which always results in it going horribly. And I left like a door wide open in my house and my wife came home and that was like, I was running in and out of the room. It was just not a fun vibe. I think it was Bay Hill and it was another Victor, you know, just tease. So I'm going to redeem myself on many fronts tonight, friends. Joel, if I could just step in real quick, because this is from DT in Phoenix, otherwise known as Dave. He says, and this is important for Jeff to know, uh, someone make sure Feinberg knows he can't draft Justin Herbert here. You do know this is the PGA DraftCast, but I will say, I do want to get comment from Jeff. We're 51 days away from NFL kickoff. Jeff, how you feeling? Uh, I'm like getting there. Like years past, I'd be running through the wall right now. I'm still really haven't fully recovered. Um, even as a charger fan, it was that painful and my bad. expectations were so high that it, it's almost like, I don't want to say irreparable damage. I'm bolted up. I'm ready to go, but my like zest for it, they really did a number on me. I have not fully recovered. That's the truth. That's it's one of the worst blown leads of all time. I mean, obviously we can think of new England, Atlanta in, in some, some serious games there, but uh, Joel, I want to kick it back to you, but I, but that really is one of the worst blown leads of all time. <laughs> Sorry. I was just kind of describing what you had DNA. already described. It's part of the DNA of like Herbert and stay like until they win a game, it's part of the DNA of, I guess, Herbert's career. So it's got to change immediately. Oh my God. Now, before we move <laughs> off the charges, I was going to ask you, what is your expectation for them this year? I just think they'll be in a playoff race. It's hard to imagine anyone dethroning the Chiefs. The AFC is loaded. Like, there's going to be games that are feel like they're worth a win and a half almost. And starts week one in that game versus Miami. Like, those feel like tiebreakers. 
Like all those games, they played the Jets. Like those are going to be tiebreaker games. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be games that are worth like one and a half wins in some respects. And they better just win the right games. And that should be the feeling of a lot of AFC teams. Like you got to win the right games this year, I feel. That's fair. It's a, it's a fair assessment. It, it definitely is going to be, there's some big games in, in the AFC. So you got your work cut out for you. But before we get to that, we got a pretty big golf tournament coming up this week that we are going to have some fun with. And, you know, the one thing I want to mention before we dive in, I kind of love the fact that we tee off at, like, one in the morning. I love it. I love waking up and, like, already being mostly through the round, halfway through, getting right into golf action to start my day. I kind of wish we'd bring some more tournaments over there and have these kind of start times because it really jives with me. But, Spence, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. You know, I had a Hatton and Tom Kim ticket last week, and I woke up and I didn't get to see how they actually lost. So it was probably for the best on that. So if you throw it on to the other side of the world, it's not necessarily the worst thing to have to sweat through the whole day and realize that Hatton had a legitimate chance to win that tournament and it all went awry at the very end. That's fair. I, I wonder if Hatton is someone you still like for this week. I guess we will soon find out how about you see how you doing tonight doing well looking forward to the open championship i got i got baseball on 51 days away from nfl season which means 39 days away from college football season we got the fedex cup playoffs coming after this so i mean i, I there's just a lot to look forward to i'm super excited and for, and by the way for jeff to come back to the show always excited to have him on the show jeff I, you are one of the big personalities in in the the Twitter sphere among other places. And uh, we just love uh, that you come on to our show as well. I appreciate the kind words. And I would say this is like the time of year. You're starting the one in the AM makeup wake ups. It's like proactive. If you're like a newborn father, like this is where you got to like, just tease your wife, like, just like get out of bed, do it. Don't even let her know. You're like, want to watch the golf. <laughs> like you got to score the points and, you know, kill a bird. You know, I really want to wake up and feed the baby tonight. It's on me. I just want to give you a rest. That has nothing mm -hmm. to do with golf being on the <laughs> So smart. I love it. All right. Well, we got a draft we're going to get into. Before we do so, Spence, hit us with the course breakdown. I know we haven't seen the tournament here in some time, but what are we looking for at Royal Liverpool this week? I thought this was a tough course to handicap for a ton of reasons. So we saw Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy win here in 2006 and 2014. Both men implemented a very safe strategy off the tee where we saw them clubbing down frequently. I do have to say that I struggled with what to do with my projections from there. It's definitely a genuine link style golf course. That's going to help marginally in recreating an expectation with some of the metrics. You do get these impactful sand dunes and thick layers of rough throughout. All of that continues to accentuate the need to find fairways from every answer that I'm going to probably give throughout this whole rundown here. But this is an extremely flat golf course that does possess a crazy amount of out-of-bounds potential off the tee. I do think if you're comparing it to last week, there are similar expectations that you can look into. You have the large green complexes. You're going to need to have the ability to scramble. I care more about that than anything else since some of those driving metrics are going to be flawed when taking into account accuracy. You know, when you guys think of it, like a club down nature here won't exactly tell the perfect picture when running a model and trying to figure out how often someone is hitting a fairway. You're going to have to look for that blend of safety and aggression. I, I think that if you can pinpoint good scramblers, that positive trajectory and the various outlets of the ball striking numbers, 
I think if you can take corollary courses on these greens, that's important, but it's essentially one of those tournaments with the lack of data that we do have. And then the changes that have been made to the property from this moving from a par 72 now down to a par 71, I'm kind of just highlighting the ball striking answer. And then uh, the double down nature of the link style courses and wind and all of those factors that come into play. But as you guys know, anytime that we talk about European golf or links golf here, the big defense of the property is going to be the wind. Like the weather is going to be the answer of how difficult or easy this ends up being. But I think it's a fun tournament. And I mean, if we're just talking specifically about DraftKings right now, and maybe we should spend one second before we move into the board this week, we have a very wonky pricing output. We have players in the 5,000s. Uh, Scheffler's obviously now up into the 12,000 range, but uh, I guess just very quickly for all of us to run through an answer here, how do you think that changes the tournament this week for DraftKings? I'll, I'll start. start. Yeah, go ahead, Joel. <laughs> um, it definitely is a change for sure. I mean, it's something that to factor in, it's a hard one. I don't know. Like, obviously, we say this all the time. I, you don't want to dive into the 5K range, which has never been said before. <laughs> um, but, you know, you have to – if there's one guy down there you can play, you know, maybe you do. I think my biggest takeaway from it was the lower 6K range has some more playable options than otherwise yeah. would have. So it doesn't necessarily mean you're playing the 5K range, but it means – 6K, 6,100, something like that, I think has guys I'd, I'd consider, whereas previously I probably wouldn't consider that that lower number. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a few players that are that are playable in the 5K range, but I think I think what Joel said is right. It's that 6K range that almost resembles what a – not, not a 7K range, but what a low 7K range might look like at a regular tournament. So I think there's a lot more playable options down there, which lends itself to people trying to build with two top-tier guys, whether that means 10K or and above or – you know, 9,700 and above, um, you can do that if you want to. And I think a lot of people are going to. I would just piggyback on all of that. It's maybe the most attractive 6,500, you know, dollar range we've ever seen. Like 6,800, a lot of sneaky European players. Uh, th that would be the difference. And I think you could still be top heavy and not even have to dip into 5K. Yeah, agree. And I would add in a question form, with the do you think that this is something that's going to be the norm moving forward that they're going to have this kind of 5k range with the higher price points at the top or didn't they just did this because there's such a larger amount of european golfers to accommodate that it made more sense to spread out the price tags to accommodate these europeans i could be wrong on this answer like this may be looking into it way too deep i kind of felt like it was done because of scotty scheffler and everything that he's put together. Like he's had 19 consecutive top 12 finishes. That's dating back to, I believe the CJ cup of whatever month that would be like October of 2022. I, I don't know what they're going to do moving forward. I think it's an interesting price point that you look into. And, and when you do look at the top of the board, not to divulge too much strategy for any of us here, but there's a lot of ownership that will be going to the top with these, these couple names up there, just because it's very, Easy to build, I guess, like with what Jeff just said to where this mid $6,000 range all of a sudden does become a lower tier type of $7,000 range, which I believe was another point from Sia there too. So uh, it definitely makes a, a, a more complex board in some ways. And maybe it makes it easier from a game theory perspective if everybody keeps thinking the same thing to kind of just deviate from that plan. Good point. 
Very, very good point. All right, well, we do have a draft to get to tonight. Let's pull up the draft board. For anyone who's new tonight who maybe hasn't seen a draft before, a quick recap of the rules. It's your typical snake draft like you would any fantasy football draft. Spencer going first, me second, Jeff third. See it in the audience will be going fourth. Then you have two picks and it goes back around. You do have to stay within the drafting salary. So you can't just take Scheffler, Rory, Hovland, all the best players because you won't be able to afford your lineup. So draft strategically, knowing that you have to be able to have a balanced lineup that you can actually afford on DraftKings. With that being said, Spencer, you are on the clock. I don't think anybody would go the route that I'm going to go here. This might be similar to when in, what year would that be? 2014 when the Cavs took Anthony Bennett and Giannis all of a sudden slips all the way down the draft. Not that anybody knew Giannis was going to be what he was at the time. And uh, as somebody from UNLV, I thought Anthony Bennett was the real deal and it was going to work out. I think there was some issues with the way that he worked out with that. But I'm going to go with another player that seems to cause a lot of discussions in the market for what is the proper price with him, what he has been producing recently. As I said, it's not what I would expect anybody to do here, but I am going to take Patrick Cantlay, 9,900 with the first pick here. I think there's a couple different answers for why I would give this, and I'll try to keep this very condensed. Uh, Cantlay's data in my model generates this really high ceiling when comparing it to the prices around him on this board. He landed first in my model for expected strokes gain total, first in par five birdie or better percentage, first in total driving. If you're speaking directly of an outright bet here, and he drifted out into like the 28 to one range early in the week. I kind of thought maybe even higher than that. Uh, I've heard some people say that they got 35 theirs out there, but um, yeah, I, I think Cantley is one of those golfers where the ceiling is ridiculously high and the perception around him in the market is so low that you get this high ceiling and really a high floor play. Like he, yeah, he was bad on Thursday at the Scottish open. He bounced back on Friday. He's been fine in majors recently. He's been fine this season. Maybe he's not producing in the capacity that everybody wants, but uh, I would not be shocked if an open championship doesn't end up being the ultimate tournament where Cantley really pencils his name in there to, as a major winner. I think the beauty of it is that Cantley, because of how poorly he's played, well, I should say last week, and, and just kind of lately he hasn't been like Patrick Cantley, we're getting him at 9,900 instead of, let's say, 10,400. But the best part about that is nobody sees that as a value anymore, right? Because we'll see the ownership percentages from Steven tomorrow on Wind Daily Sports, but, or you can see it anywhere. But Wind Daily Sports is certainly one of your opportunities to see that. And it, I don't think his ownership is going to creep over, you know, 12, 13%. And if that's the case, then you're not only are you getting a value, but you're getting a value that nobody else is assessing as a value. And that's just sort of the beauty of, of Patrick Cantlay this week. Uh, Jeff, it's, it looked like you, had, you have a play on Patrick Cantlay. Yeah, I, I do. I, um, as Spence was mentioning, I, the offshores are, you know, they, they readjusted. I got a 35 to one as did some others offshore on Sunday night. I couldn't resist. And I think by the time we get to maybe projections time, I think he could come in a little higher. I mean, I don't want to like yeah. talk about other guys. We're going to do a draft. They'll be spoken about, but the week started, you know, there's so much Patrick Cantley fatigue in some sense. People mm -hmm. don't even like doing content on him. If I'm making a pick on him for a big tournament, I'd almost like tell the editor, just don't make him the profile picture of the thing. Like, I don't want to get made fun of. Like, if people are going to make fun of me for picking Cantley, at least make them like click the article to see I'm picking him first mm -hmm. sort of thing. But 
straight as an arrow off the tee, a, a, a solid, you know, a, an elite putter in in some respect. Uh, you know, it can be it can be wonky, but to the field upper end putter, I I think people are going to come around on him at ninety nine hundred. I believe. Yeah, I guess the question there, Joel, and I, I wanted to get a, a yes or no. Like, well, let's do your pick. Let's try to get back on on schedule a little bit. I want to get your pick, but a, a yes or no on Cantley because I hear what. Jeff is saying, but I mean, he's next to Ricky Fowler. He's next to Victor Hovland, Xander above that, Brooks above that. And then below that, you know, you got Colin who might pick up some popularity. I don't know how much drift will go on to Patrick Cantlay. I'm, I'm sure he's right. Like I could see it being like 14-ish percent, but I, for, for me, I don't see it going over 15%. What say you on that? Because we're still a day away from finding out. You know, in terms of percentage, I, th- I think that percentage sounds right. That's not too high and it's not too low. I mean, it's, it's right. certainly a playable number in this field. So um, I would say though, if I was going to play a guy like Patrick Hanley at this price in this tournament, I'd want it to be someone that's like, I'm getting an ownership advantage on. It's like, okay, he's lower owned. You know, I do feel like if I'm going to this range, he's probably not in the best form at this price. So to get the ownership advantage would be the reason I'd, I'd want to play. Gotcha. All right, Joel, uh, who do you want to play with your first pick? All right, so I'm going to go ahead and take the golfer who has basically been responsible for my longest winning streak on this show, um, the most consistent golfer right now on tour. That's Scotty Scheffler. He's playing up the price tag. Um, and you know it, it's different for me because on most of these major shows, I typically preach balance and not coming for the top guy. But I'm going to go and play Scotty this week. I just think he's the, the one guy that I feel like is a sure thing that's going to get you that top 10 and doing it every week. Um, I'll lock that in and I'll find a way to balance the rest of this lineup out. I mean, I, do we need to say anything about Scotty Scheffler? And we don't okay. need to give the T to green recitation. Like everybody knows that he's basically a top 10 machine. Uh, Jeff, if you're starting a DraftKings lineup, if you had the second overall pick and it's your pick next, but would Scotty Scheffler have been first for you? I know. Uh, no, we wouldn't have, but all like what do you say about Sky Scheffler? Like, it's like saying pizza's good, like, thanks, <laughs> like you know. Uh, but it's all there, it makes sense. We mentioned how you could still build it through like the high six Ks. Uh, I certainly will have some Scotty, but my pick should probably surprise nobody. I'm gonna pay the 10,000, I'm gonna take Victor Hovland, uh, straight as an arrow, he's gonna be a weapon this week. He's got that scar tissue from majors. He is certainly ready. I believe if it gets past Scotty lands in Victor, it lands uh, for Victor. I'm scared shitless of Scotty, but you know, if it gets past them, it's going to be Vex. Yeah. And audience, you can start nominating. I like Victor Hovland too, Spencer. I want to go to you real quick. Uh, you know, he's picking up some ownership, nothing, nothing crazy. I mean, the beauty is we have so many really elite guys at the top that outside of Rory and Scotty, I don't think we're going to see anybody that's like crazy owned. Uh, with that said, I agree with Jeff. I think Victor Hovland, I mean, I think a lot of people talk about his around the green game, but he's been really good with the around the green game lately and in majors in 2023. I don't really see a great argument against Victor Hovland, but what is your model saying? What are you saying about Victor? I, I like Victor. I don't think you can necessarily make an argument against him. You have these large green complexes that's going to help the GIR percentage for him. You have these really flat surfaces to where I think that helps him with the around the green game a little bit. The weight of proximity looks good. Jeff talked about the total driving with him. Um, I mean, I think when you talk about most of these players in the $10,000 range, you're kind of splitting hairs with them, but uh, I have no problem with anybody who wants to play Hovland. 
All right. Well, we, the audience, SIA audience, Wyndham Clark is definitely one of the nominations. He got nominated pretty quickly over there at 8,700. We got DT in Phoenix, otherwise known as Dave, that had him and Brent Harris uh, likes Wyndham Clark. Did we get, oh, we got two for Brooks, it looks like. Am I wrong? Was Brooks the second one in? I believe he was. John Golden and Brant nominated Brooks Kepka. Uh, I like both of these guys. Uh, um, Joel, I'm going to kick it to you. And then, Jeff, I'm going to kick it to you just to, if you ha- if you like either of these guys, but it's also about to be your pick. Wyndham Clark seems like a great value to me. I, I-, I kind of feel like n- now that I've had the week to think about it, that maybe this isn't the tournament for him, but he keeps proving everybody wrong. I mean, he's winning tournaments. He's playing really well. The ball striking is there. The short game is elite, always has been for Wyndham Clark. And then Kepka, big game killer. I don't think we need to go over Kepka either. I mean, won the PGA Championship, T2 at the Masters, top 20 at the – at the U.S. Open, I mean, he just comes here and he just wins. I, I actually think from a from a betting standpoint, if he were on the PGA Tour this whole year, his number wouldn't have started at 20 or 22 to 1 and bet down to 18 to 1. It would have started at 14 to 1 and gotten bet down to 12 or 10 to 1. I, I genuinely think that. So I think both of these guys are, are pretty good value. What say you on these guys, though? Yeah, and you, you mentioned this also, but I'll add, Kepka plays up, obviously, in majors. Like, these are the times where you get his best performance. So – you never want to doubt Kepka out of major because this is, you know, this is where he shines. I, I like the pick, at, at, especially at this price. Saving $2,000 on Scotty to be able to get Brooks Kepka, I think, is a, is a good deal. Yeah, Jeff, any comments on, on Clark or Kepka? Uh, Clark's been, you know, consistent, but Kepka's just shows he's the major killer. And he, I think both of them, although I didn't bet either of them, have value, I'd argue, in the betting market. And from like a guy, if you don't, not really the biggest PGA fan or not in the grind of it, like week in, week out, and you're not like so deep into the woods, like it feels like we are. Probably look at this board, be like, like how, how am I getting like Kepka for six points more than Rom? I mean, I like Rom, like Rom probably isn't priced wrong in the betting markets, but Kepka should probably be there right with him. Yeah, it's a very fair number for a ticket that's probably going to take you to the weekend, feeling like I, this guy can win again. Uh, I would vote for Brooks if I was in the the voting audience. Uh, but hey, you you've got the latter picks. Yeah, I have four outrights on my card this week, and and they just drafted two of them. Brooks Kepka at twenty to one. That's where I got him, but he's eighteen to one now. And Wyndham Clark still sitting at sixty to one uh, across the books that I've seen. So I, I just think that's a tremendous number on a guy that we have seen can close in a major. All right, Jeff. Uh, Victor Hovland is first. Who's second on the PJ Draftcast for the Open Championship? Okay, this could be a little risky. You know, maybe I am could be reading the room wrong, and this could be a guy that will be available a little, you know, when it comes back to me. But I don't want to miss him. Like, I'm all in. As my pal Pat Mayo joked, uh, you know, when I said there's always money in Corey Connors, he is like the banana stand in Arrested Development, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I'm going to pay the 7700 straight as an arrow, Ball striking will be in the right spot. We'll hit enough putts to definitely make good on 7,700. And, you know, two guys won in Texas and San Antonio twice. So he's you know, not necessarily like the, the open championship, like top of the line track record, but, but windy conditions, the guy can pull it through. Uh, I'm a homer here. Corey Connors, I believe is going to make a lot of people some money this week. Outside of the outright market, the placings, DraftKings all over the place. The Canadian. Uh, Spencer, I want to ask you about Connors because I got to think he's rating out really, really well in your model. 
So I had, I did an action network show earlier today. And one of the people I was on the show with, which it's really funny that Jeff started his lineup with Hovland and Connors. And I, I tend to agree with this assessment that was given. Connors is almost Victor Hovland like in a lot of the ways that you're looking on the ball, striking the total driving. I, you know, if there's a specific skill set that you're looking for, it's you have Hovland at 10,000, all of a sudden you can save all this money with Connors out 7,700 and pretty much build the same player twice there. If maybe Connors is not quite as good as Hovland in a lot of ways, but yeah, my model really likes him. I bet him in a market out there to come 51st or better. Um, I, I think he's very safe in a lot of ways here and he is a value in the $7,000 range. Yeah, hard to hard to disagree with that. And you know, you're kind of building a narrative, right, Jeff, with with ball striking, and obviously <laughs> that's coming through uh, with Victor Hovland, Corey Connors. By the way, real quick, Joel, before your pick, you mentioned Arrested Development uh, among other other shows. Have you voted in the Grade Eight in the um, Best Sitcom bracket yet, Jeff? Oh, so you said the Joel. Oh, um, yes, I have voted. So I thought that was for Joel. No, I've done but- my voting. Spencer, I don't know if you or or uh, Joel have voted, but it's pinned to Pat Mayo's uh, profile. But I, I got to ask you on the air before we get to Joel's pick, Jeff, Seinfeld versus Scrubs. Who did you vote for? Seinfeld. Uh, that could just be. I don't. I never. Scrubs didn't hit me in the way it, it resonated with so many people. So I had to. I couldn't. Like I had to just go with the. You know the elf, the elite in Seinfeld. Frazier versus The Office. Who'd you go with? I'm a Frasier guy, and some places that's not popular. Frasier, I think I've said this to you before, Sia. Like, it is more rewatchable than the other shows. It, it holds up, like, so good. I, I could fall asleep to it every night. I mean it. Uh, I, I did that for 10 years. I literally fell asleep to Frasier for 10 years. It does have that rewatchability. It's also a, kind of a thinking comedic show, too. It's not like we're not voting for funniest sitcom. We're voting for best sitcom. It has a lot of elements. Okay, two more real quick. Curb your enthusiasm or Arrested Development before we get to Joel's pick. Arrested Development for me, like it's peak. It's like little window there was I literally laughed harder than that in anything ever I for me. It's really funny. Choice. No, you're 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 probably right. It's really funny. Simpsons versus South Park. Who'd you vote for? I could like I, I could change my vote every time. Um, South Park because they just dare to do what no one else like is willing to yeah. do or even able to still do in in the current time. So that's more of like a bigger picture view of it. Although Simpsons is the greatest ever, so it's a weird situation. See, yeah, really, really quickly, uh, yeah. who won between The Simpsons and South Park? Well, voting is not closed. We have a few more days to vote. There's 1,328 votes in. South Park is up 55% to 45% with, uh, with I think, uh, a few days left to vote. So if you want to have an impact on that, anybody listening to go to Pat's profile and literally it's pinned at the top. You can vote for the, the last eight teams. We have like six, I, I'm a part of four shows dedicated to all of the, this entire sitcom bracket, but there's more shows that Pat put out with, with others as well. So uh, go back and check that stuff out. It's really good content. The, the general public doesn't always get things correct. It seems like in my opinion right now, uh, South Park should be the winner of this entire tournament. So I, I, I like where the, the general public is moving here. Well, the winner of the entire tournament should be Frazier, but it's not going to be. Joel, <laughs> you have the probable winner of the Open Championship, in my opinion, Scotty Scheffler. I'm just not willing to bet it at 7-1, to one, but, I mean, I think he's going to win. Uh, who's next on your list? You know, this pick got away from me. I'm sitting here scrambling as you guys are talking about sitcoms, 
and I'm going to make a pick here. That's it's, it's a page out of out of out of Spencer's book. Uh, it's nothing that I ever do, but I can't believe Rory is still on the board, and I can't allow him <laughs> to remain on the board anymore. So I'm going to take Rory, and I'm going to have to figure out how to find some value to finish up this lineup. But to give me Scotty and Rory to start this out, I like where I'm at. I'm going to be in some trouble later, but I like where I'm at right now. Yeah, there's going to be some builds with Scotty and Rory. And, you know, people are going to just kind of dig deep into that low 6K, 5K range. I mean, here's the thing. If, if you do that, we're going, to, we're going to actually see how this plays out. But you can do that, but you're just going to, to – to have your last pick at like 7,200, 7,300, where there are some good guys, like you're really going to have to like spend three picks on some super low-end guys. So we'll see how it works out. Listen, this, this is – I'll make a lineup like this too. It'll be one of my, you know – kind of like lower cost lineups just to kind of throw it in there. So um, I don't, I don't hate it. I don't think we need to microanalyze Rory either. I think he's obviously a favorite with Scotty Scheffler for a reason. So um, I, I, again, no commentary needed here. In my opinion, Spencer, you've got Patrick Cantley. I like the pick by the way, and you've got two picks right now. So with my first pick to open up a little bit of salary here to keep this board in a way that I can easily maneuver through it. I'm going to take Denny McCarthy at 7,300 Really like his weighted scrambling. He's number one in my model there. He's one of those golfers where if we're looking from an outright betting perspective, I was trying to figure out a way to gain exposure to him this week. Couldn't necessarily figure that out from an outright bet. Um, I think a top 40 bet makes a lot of sense if you're trying to find the safety with him, but he is peaking and trending in the right direction right now inside the top 20 of my model and pretty much any iteration of how I ran it. And then I am going to go back to another very, Surprising pick that I can't imagine anybody would have taken at this point, but I want to lock him in because he is one of the biggest differences in my model. Uh, that will be Max Homa at 8,400. And look, I, I understand Homa's played 16 majors. He hasn't finished inside the top 10. I, I would say most of those results haven't been where I would place Homa as a talent at this point in his career. It's a very similar answer that I gave with Wyndham Clark at the U.S. Open when he hadn't been in the top 75 in, in six attempts. Uh, I don't want to count anything pre-2022 for Homa since nine of those finishes resulted in nothing better than a 40th place finish or nothing within the top 40 there. Uh, but five of seven made cuts over the last two years. He did have a 13th at the PGA Championship. Obviously, he was a really hot commodity at the U.S. Open because of it being at LACC. I kind of tend to think though, like course history aside with it, an open championship would actually be a better tournament for him to kind of realize some of his upside that he does possess. So I, I like home at this price. I, I don't think he's going to be, I mean, probably seven, 8% owned. I think anything sub 10% for him for the upside that I believe he possesses. I'd rather build this team the way that I want and kind of just worry about it on the back end of trying to figure out answers. Like there's enough players here to make it work. So let me at least start adding the guys that I think have real win equity at the prices that they are at right now. Yeah, I agree with you that he'll probably end up just under that 10% range. Uh, same with Denny, of course, in, in a lower range. Jeff, real quick before we get to Joel's pick, any either Max Homo or Denny McCarthy resonate with you? Hey, Denny McCarthy shows up. Doesn't matter if it's like the weakest field or if it's an elevated event. He feels pretty evergreen at the moment and it does seem like an open championship would be you know an ideal fit um if it plays how how some would certainly expect it homa seems like he's turning a curb he seems pretty comfortable 
And I know it's nothing that would show up in Spence's models or anyone's models. And I didn't bet him per se, but I like him on DraftKings. Does seem like he's got the grit and like what it would like. I don't say like the intestinal fortitude, but it does seem like he is made. He's got the stuff to sort of handle a lot of the nonsense and the variables that an open championship can, can, you know, throw at guys over the course of the four days. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think both of those plays are pretty smart. I don't know if I'm actually going to get to Max Homa or Denny for that matter, but I probably should Joel real quick before your pick. Yes or no on Max Homa, Denny McCarthy. I'm going to say yes to Denny and no to Homa right now, even though I love Homa. All right. Fair enough. Joel, it's your pick. You got, Scotty Scheffler, Roy McIlroy. I probably should advise you. John Daly is still available. He might even out your lineup just to scotch. Uh, either way, it's your pick. You can do what you want. So the problem with what I did is now I got to take a bunch of, I don't have to, I guess, but I'm going to take a bunch of European golfers whose names I can't pronounce. That's going to be <laughs> embarrassing, um, but I got to do it because that's the only way I'm going to make this work. And so the first one I'm going with is Alexander Bjork. Um, <laughs> Listen, he's just – he's been playing great. If you look at his history, his great result after great result. And the thing that puts it over the edge is he got T35 at the Scottish Open last week with other PGA golfers, two rounds under 70. Um, but before that, he has four top tens in a row. Yeah, and then two before that, another top ten. So he's consistently playing very well. And at 6,700, um, I think there's a lot of upside there. Yeah, I played a little bit of him uh, last week as well. Looked like he might miss the cut on Thursday, but rallied and had a nice Friday to make the cut. Uh, Spencer, before we get to Jeff's pick, yes or no on Bjork? Probably not. Um, my model didn't necessarily love him. It's not going to love a lot of these European players. Um, I would rather go in other routes with maybe more of those PGA Tour names that I had in that range that I liked more, but... Um, that would just be my model's call on that. All right, Jeff, you got Victor Hovland, you got Corey Connors. Who's next? Yeah, I'm trying to decide how aggressive I want to be right now or maybe just keep building or playing it safe. But I'm a believer in DJ this week, guys. Mm -hmm. uh, the Open Championship has proven that it's something he's quite comfortable with, with, you know, th that that resume here. And even how, you know, people who dig deep into the DJ resume gave up three strokes on his final two holes here in 14 to jump himself out of what would be another top 10 driving the long irons. Uh, I'm paying the 9,200. I like DJ. Uh, I'm doing a lot of exotic stuff with DJ this week as well. Placings, even top live guy, uh, you know, plus 550. So I'm all in on DJ this week. Yeah, I like DJ quite a bit as well. Joel, how do you feel about DJ this week? I'm with you guys. I like DJ a lot. At 9,200, I think there's plenty of upside with him here. Uh, I think it's a really good pick. Spencer, yes or no on DJ? I don't have a problem with Dustin. I, I am leaning towards putting him in my player pool. Like One of the interesting things about Dustin right now, and this isn't a model answer, but because he got put into the $9,000 range, I, I do think it suppresses ownership ever so slightly with it, like to where he doesn't, you know, we've seen tournaments recently where he's more in that like mid $8,000 range and he can push much higher than we're going to get here. I think when this closes, inevitably, you probably get a version of him that's closer to 10%. Like a 10% version of Dustin with the upside that he possesses. I'm like, that's that's always a good thing at the end of the day. All right. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think DJ's a, a great play. I think from an outright standpoint, I was teetering between him and somebody's name who we haven't mentioned yet, so I'm not going to mention his name, but uh, in that sort of 30-ish to, to one market. And I think Dustin is is probably the way I should have gone. I ended up going uh, with the other guy. All right, we have Terrell Hatton is definitely one of the names that the audience has nominated. We need to kind of go low here because we have uh, a pretty expensive roster, but we still have room to play with a little bit. Um we have some low guys that have been nominated, but we need one more. We need a second or a first on somebody that is at least somewhat economical, I would say. And if, if we don't have anybody in the next five seconds, because I'm part of team audience, I'm going to pick it because I do like a guy quite a bit that is a flat 7K, hint, hint. Going once, going twice. I'm going... It can't be Lowry, Ed, because we, we will we'll kind of like have no money left. At 9,100, if we did that math, we'd be down to, to Joel's range. All right, let, let's punch in Lowry just to see what, where, where we'd be. Okay. Yeah, we're not doing that. We're not going to have our last two 6,200 or below. So Lowry's definitely not the pick. We're going to go with Sepp Straka. Um, listen, th- this, is a, this is a Joel Draftmaster Flex showdown special. This guy can boom any given round. And lately, he's been booming for four rounds instead of just the one that we lean on for showdown. He won the John Deere Classic. He was seventh at the PGA Championship, competitive at the Travelers, competitive at the Memorial, competitive at the Charles Schwab, relatively accurate off the tee, or at least he has been. Uh, not super short, great on approach. Greens and regulation is solid. Uh, he's not the name that you're really comfortable with, but you're not really supposed to be comfortable with anybody down here. And frankly, your lineup, you shouldn't be super comfortable with either. So uh, I like Sepp Straka here, saves us some money, gives us a little bit of wiggle room with our last two. Maybe we go 6K and then we go up to, um, or actually we could go, we could just stay in the low 7K here uh, if, if we want to for our last two picks, whatever you all want to do. But um, I like that pick. So anybody on Sepp Straka, Jeff, I'm going to start with you. Did he, did he cross your eyes at all? Um, not really, not really. Gotta be honest. Uh, but hey, I now you mentioned I'm seeing the other guys. He's around. He can get white hot with those irons. The the low round. He should probably be able to do enough for you at seven k. I was mm-hmm. I was worried you're gonna take who I'm ho- hoping to mention here next, and you didn't. So I so go ahead. Who is it gonna be? Uh, for me, I'm going to go all in here, uh, and I'll be pretty overexposed uh, to see Wu Kim. $7,300. Again, it's another guy hitting those arrows off the tee. I trust his ability and his ceiling to do something quite special this week, and he has proven all golf fans that he's totally kind of flipped the perception of being a first or last you know, Ricky Bobby type into a quite consistent player, 7,300. Uh, you know, the I, he can avoid the landmines on the tee, off the tee, and, and that should be enough for him to, uh, to play quite well. So I'm excited what else I can do here now. Spencer, I want to go to you here because I, I like Siwoo Kim a lot. Top 20, weighted tee to green, accurate off the tee, solid on approach, not like elite on approach lately. Last, I'm, I'm talking the last 24 rounds, but he's been solid on approach. My favorite matchup, of this tournament across all the books that I've looked at is Siwoo Kim minus 135 over Sahith Thagala. And I, and it's mostly, it's, it's a, a bit of a fade on Sahith because he's been so inconsistent with the ball striking. Um, but Siwoo Kim has just kind of been lights out other than losing seven strokes at the travelers with the putter, which is kind of weird uh, because he's normally an okay putter, but uh, a, do you like Siwoo Kim B do you like that matchup? 
I'll tell you who likes the matchup is the market because that number has been moving ridiculously over the past four or five hours. Like I've seen that stretched out at some books into the minus 150-ish uh, range there. If I may, Spencer, um, I gave it out three hour, uh, at three o'clock. So I clearly moved the line. It's very obvious. Spencer, keep going. Uh, I do like Siwoo Kim this week. I, I like the Gala a little bit. I don't have a problem with him, but I would double down on the sentiments of what Jeff just talked about. And then I uh, just really quickly to talk about the Sepp Straka play. I, I do like Sepp Straka this week. Like I'm not saying that, you know, he could have been afforded in Joel's lineup, but when I was making the example of like, there are PGA tour players like Sepp Straka would be the one name that I was speaking of. And maybe it wouldn't have worked out price wise, but uh, I will have a lot of exposure to Straka this week. All right. I like that. All right, Joel, it's your pick. You got Scotty, you got Rory, which is interesting. You got Bjork. Who's next? So we almost had a Lowry gate on our hands right there. Oh, when you're Yeah, I know. And then the audience started all suggesting the guy that I'm about to take. And I was like, if he went after you already took Lowry, I was going to make a stink. But he survived. So we're good. I'm going to take you and Ferguson. Another 6,100 guy. Two really good finishes in a row. Um, obviously, the audience likes him, so you guys are seeing the same things I am. And I need to find guys in this low 6K range to make this lineup work, and he seems to fit that profile. Yeah, audience likes him. I, I don't have much to say about Ferguson. He's not one of the Euro, the World Tour players that um, I sort of have pinpointed here. But uh, Spencer, any, any, I, I know your model's probably not going to have a lot on Ferguson. This is where David Bileski will come in. And obviously in our Discord, um, we'll talk about a lot of these European guys. But uh, Spencer, any thoughts on Ferguson? I kind of give the same sentiment that I gave with the Bjork answer. I, I, there's probably a PGA Tour player, but that's just also coming from somebody that runs no DP World Tour numbers with it. Um, like I would rather have Ben Griffin, like if I'm just cheating on the show and randomly throwing out a name right now that I probably shouldn't be talking about, but um, that would be more of my mindset with it. All right. Well, Spencer, uh, speaking of your mindset, you got two picks to go, or you got three picks to go, but two picks to go right now. Patrick Cantlay, Denny McCarthy, Max Homa, who are the next two? I'm going to put it in this order specifically because I want this name to show up a little bit higher on for everybody to see that I picked him first above the next guy, but I'm going to take Jason Day at 7,800. <laughs> Um, I really like Day. If we're talking about an outright answer here, when he opened up at 125 to one, I had him as the most mispriced player on the board. You can still find him in that 110 to one range if you're looking for an outright answer here. But like, if we're talking betting, I think he's a 60 to one talent in this field. The weighted T to green data was shockingly high for him inside of my model. Like, I, you know, it's funny, you guys. Like, it was all the way to the point that it was so shocking that I actually thought like there was some part of me, whether it's like 5% or whatever the number is that, that I was actually filtering the numbers in some fashion that was making day be better than he actually should be with it. Not the case with it. He's inside the top five for me and weighted strokes gain total. Um, I know the recent form is horrendous. I understand that. That's why nobody's going to want to play him, but if the weather can stay warm enough and, and it looks that way right now, I think Day has a really large ceiling that he can reach this week. That's even as much so to where he could win this contest. Wow. Uh, big words for Day. Okay. Uh, we're, we're not going to criticize you there because we know your fondness of Jason Day. Yeah, we've done up? it too many times at this point. How many times can you say, like, you got to stop? <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Who's after Day? I'm going to go with Xander Shoffley at 10,100. Uh, the Shoffley-Cantley combination is really the most intriguing one for me because 
I see two players there that are almost prototypical replicas of one another. Um, these are open championships and, and specifically here with Shoffley, anytime that you get reduction off the tee, which is what it shows from a metric standpoint for me, all of a sudden Shoffley's short game and that ability that he has starts really skyrocketing. Like obviously with Cantlay, he's the number one total driver for me. So it's a little bit different there, but if one of those two guys are going to win a major, I truly think an open championship is their best fit. And it's kind of the same answer that I gave about Cantley, where the general public is just not wanting to play those two. They're trying to move in every direction. That's not them. Maybe it's because we've seen them move into these ranges in the betting market. And even on DraftKings where, you know, they're in the teens, they're in the, the 18 range, the 20 range every single week. And now all of a sudden we see them, 28 to 35 to one. And I think there's value on those prices. And it's also taking away the ownership here because nobody wants to play Xander in the $10,000 range. But I, I, it's kind of the same answer I've given about all my guys so far. I'm shooting for the moon on all these players. And, and I think Xander's ceiling is a lot larger than people tend to think it is. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, I'm not going to have Xander uh, or Day in my pool. Although Day, I think I could potentially come around on. Uh, let me ask you, Jeff, yes or no on Jason Day, Xander Shoffley? Uh, definitely yes on, well, yes on Xander Shoffley, like big time. I do feel like sort of same with Cantley. Like it just feels like there's a bit of fatigue, but I feel like at the same time, these guys have, have dipped in the marketplace to sort of when people would like sort of make fun of them, say at the masters and be like, well, they should be this price. Well, now they are now they are. Yeah. Now they are that price you said they should be. So don't criticize me when I'm playing them at the price you said they should be, even though they've never won anything and whatever. We can make the jokes and, you know, anything relative to the majors. And that's how we sort of grade the guys on Jason Day, like uh, Scott and Leishman and so many Australians. They just seem to get around and feel like they should be so comfortable at open championships. Yeah, Joel, before I get a yes or no from you, I do want to, there's a celebrity in the chat. I don't know if you guys have seen, but Degenerate75, he says, a little late, but no way I'm missing all this many legends on the same stream mm. together. Very kind words. And then he even says uh, that this is one of his must-shows, uh, most must-watch shows weekly. And of course, uh, Degen, I assume everybody that watches this show watches all of his live streams because they're great, including the one that's going to be tomorrow i believe at eight o'clock eastern standard time and not the lord's time zone but djn thank you for stopping in thank you for making this one of your weekly shows we absolutely uh, appreciate that all right joel uh, i don't know can we fix this board i see like the sixth pick is probably going to be hidden here but joel either way you got ferguson you got bjork you're trying to balance out this team with scotty and murray at the top who's next all right so as you can see i did put myself in a little bit of bind I will be honest, the pick I'm going to take right now is Emiliano Grillo. Grillo's a good player. I like Grillo. He's got good results. I don't love him for this course, but I got to pick someone at 6,600 to make this work. There's not a lot of guys in this range I love. We do know Grillo has upside. He's shown this year. He's got a bunch of top 10 finishes. He gets one of those hot weeks with the ball striking, makes a few pots. I think we can see another good result, so... I'm going to be honest with you in saying that it's not like I super love Grio, but it, for someone in this range, I think he's the best option. 
You know what? I do too. I think he's a really good option. I mean, listen, the, the thing with Guido is, is he can explode, right? I mean, it's it's almost like the same argument with Sepp Straka where you're like, you're not sure, you know, if, if he starts getting mad at himself at his putter, like it can really go south. But if you actually look at the metrics, he's been pretty good. Weighted tee to green, weighted approach, accuracy. Like he does check. I mean, it's not like he's elite in any of those categories, but he's checking most of those boxes. So I, I think it's 6,600 much in, in the same way that Jason day is like in a different price range. These are guys that like have gotten slept on because they just haven't splashed really lately. Uh, but there's tr- potentially tremendous value there. So um, Spencer, before we get to Jeff's pick a yes or no real quick on Grillo. Uh, like Joel is in a spot right now where he has to make decisions down at the bottom of the board. I tend to agree with him. There's not too many names that would be better than Grio that he could have picked. I like the pick for the position that he's in right now. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Uh, Jeff, you, you left us off with Siwoo Kim. I love I love this team. Uh, Victor Hovland, Corey Connors, Dustin Johnson, Siwoo Kim. How are you going to screw it up? Well, that's the thing. I will find a way. And probably for much of this, I kind of hoped someone would make a decision for me. There are two players that there's no way I'll be able to pay for both. Maybe if the next one gets drafted, I'll mention it then. Really was hoping someone would take this guy off my hands, and I don't have the willpower to resist. Uh, recent form dip, certainly, but Tony Finau, 8,200. I am too weak. I am too weak to resist um, his open championship consistency, his ability to uh, do what I think I don't know, needs to be done here. Um there's been a dip, but I- I'll buy the dip. I-, I have no idea what to do with Tony Fina, which is why I'm probably not going to play him. I-, I do love the price, and I, I got to take a glance at his his ownership, at least at how it's tracking for now. But, Joel, yes or no on Tony Fina? You know, I just want to make a comment here. Tony Fina going into the tournament was on my don't play list. He's just – the form's going to come back. But they did readjust the price just enough to be like, okay, at 8200 it's worth considering again because now you're getting him as a mid-tier play. He clearly has upside. He's Tony Finau. So at any 200, I like the shot here. All right. Uh, Spencer, yes or no on Finau? I've always said I think the best shots that Tony Finau has would be at a club down course. Uh, And I know that's like a counterintuitive statement to make for him of somebody who obviously has a lot of distance off the tee. I I like him in this tournament. I I think he's intriguing in a lot of different markets. All right. Well, what's intriguing for us is that Henrik Stenson just got officially ra- nominated and ratified, which honestly, in that range, I probably would have gone somewhere else. Uh, there's a guy I like at 6,100, but it looks like that is what the nomination is. So listen, if Stenson can find his game back like this, this is probably a good track for him. What does it leave us, though, with 8,300? Is that what that says? Yes. All right, so 80, okay, so DT in Phoenix, it's 8,300, not 8,200. So let's do some nominations quickly. Did we leave ourselves? I mean, there's a couple guys here we could take that I'd be okay with. So any nominations? I mean, obviously at 8,300, we could, we could go Sungjae, Tom Kim, Justin Rose, Adam Scott, Taylor Gooch is there. And at that point, we're getting to um, the 7,700 range. Tom Kim, I'm okay with that. Let's do Tom Kim. Brant and Dave agree on Tom Kim. You know, if we're doing the the sort of the ball striker narrative thing that 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 Jeff is going with and that a lot of people are going with, including myself to a large degree, I think Tom Kim sort of sort of fits that narrative. We saw him do really well at the Scottish Open last week. Hopefully that translates here as well. 
I don't have a strong opinion for Tom Kim, but I certainly don't have an opinion against him. Spencer, how are you feeling about Tom Kim? I would lean for him in my player pool at this moment. Um, Inside the top 25 of always, I ran it. He was pretty much a very, very slight value. I guess that would give the same answer that you're talking about, Sia, where he doesn't necessarily push the needle one way or another for me. But I like Tom Kim. I think he's a... If you look at his skill set and the ability that he has to be able to find fairways and like the weight of proximity in my model always looks really good for him. Um, I, I like him on an open championship test, which I mean, I guess the one counter argument would be how can he handle the wind? He didn't handle it very well on Sunday at the Scottish Open and my model doesn't love him in the wind in general. But, you know, if that's the worst thing that I can say about him and everything else looks fine, I, I'm kind of OK with that. Fair enough. All right. Uh, Jeff, yes or no on Tom Kim? Yeah. Yes, uh, he should be able to make good on that price point. Looks like he's coming into form. He kind of showed us. Seems like he's a bit of a form player to begin with. Should be more than comfortable. All right, Jeff, who is your last pick for the Open Championship? Yeah, so we're going to round this out. Uh, we're going wing. I have $7,600 left. Tempted. Tempted here to, you know, if things get silly. Sometimes you always like to own Patrick Reed. But uh, I don't care if he makes a putt. Russell Henley will do enough for me to make good on $7,400 this week. Yeah, I, I like Russell Henley as well. Um, he's, his finishing positions have been pretty good. Uh, not, not a lot of talk about Russell Henley, though, so I'm a little curious about that. I'm glancing at his ownership now, and it's really low. I mean, I, Joel, this seems like a, a pretty good call here at 7400 at low ownership, at least for now. What are your thoughts on Henley? I like Henley a lot in that range, in that mid 7K range. I think he's one of my favorite plays, especially at low ownership. He's done well at majors. You know, I I, I think that's a, a really good pick. Yeah, I mean, the U.S. Open, he's top 20, but he's been top 20 in four of his last five tournaments. That includes the U.S. Open and the Memorial, by the way. So um, the thing that he's rating out the best with, you'd expect it would be approach. Um, but the game seems to be there. I feel like there's a lot of guys in this tournament that just people are sleeping on. And Henley seems like if I can make a top 10 list of guys that are just like eye poppingly low owned, uh, I, Henley would make that list. Uh, I like the pick. Joel, who was your last pick for the Open Championship? All right. Well, obviously 6,200. My arms are tied. I'm hoping because see, you said there was someone at 6,100 you liked. Mm-hmm. I'm picking someone at 6,100. I hope it's that guy. Uh, it's Daniel Hilliard. Yeah, that's and, the one. And I'll be honest with you, you know, I like him because I was on to him in Showdown last week. As we know, Showdown's my thing. I'm very into showdown. His ball striking numbers last week were spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he carries he was, that over this week. He was third in the field ball striking behind Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy. But you know what he was with his short game? Dead last. Yes. So it's kind of like that game. And he's not he's not good with the short game in general for the record. So that wasn't really an aberration. But that ball striking really speaks to me. And Joel, to your point, I, I want you to finish your thought. But if you could just turn that that short game around just a little bit, man, like the sky's the limit on that ball striking. That's right. And, and we know what carries over most consistently is ball striking. So we should expect some pretty good ball striking from him this week. But the other thing that put him over the edge for me was he won the British Masters just two weeks ago, three weeks ago. He was third at the BMW International Open. So he had a T5 at, in, in the end of May. He has a lot of really good results recently. So at 6,100, this is a guy that didn't just have one good week. This is a guy that's been playing well over the last few months. I yeah. got to shout out the fact that uh, Pat Mayo made him his gold bet of the week for a top 40. Uh, Hillier was his gold selection prop. So there it is. I love that. All right. They say great to like, so. 
I love it. All right. So we have endorsement not only from the PGA DraftCast squad, but from Pat Mayo himself, Spencer. You've got one pick to go. You've got Patrick Cantlay, Denny McCarthy, Max Homa, Jason Day, Xander Schauffele. As I say those names out loud, I love this team more and more because I'm, I'm thinking, wow, there's win equity across the board. Uh, but I'm curious, who's the, who's the last guy in? My model believes that the last guy in should be Andrew Putnam. I just want to throw that out there. I'm not going to do it. Um, you know, I have this good versus evil thing going on on my shoulders. And like the voice is telling me, don't do it. You've done it too many times. We can't keep going down this road. Jeff is on this show. I know he also has an affinity for this golfer. And I feel like I'm making this pick for the both of us right now. I'm going to take Thomas Dietrich. I'm doing it one more time. This is the last time I'm doing it for a while. Thomas Dietrich. Well, he, I mean, did he pay off for you last week? Ultimately? I mean, he had a bad sun. Was it a bad Sunday ultimately or a bad weekend? He had a bad weekend. Um, I had a big top 40 wager on him where he missed it by um, a slot or two, which that was unfortunate. I think from a DraftKings answer, he was fine, I guess. I mean, that the payment was fine there, but I think at 6,400, there's probably better win equity on him than a lot of these names that you're going to talk about. Well, I think Putnam is safer of the two. I'd rather shoot for some of that upside that Dietrich has. Like specifically, if I'm trying to build this under the mindset of we're entering this into a large GPP, I think that he is a better play than Putnam, who my model kind of maxes out at like 32nd to 37th sort of pick there. All right. Um, go ahead, Jeff, because you, you sound like it sounds like you're a Dietrich fan. No, I, I like it, and I will just say in my version of the Rory Scotty build, he will be on that team. As I'm sure everyone in the space is going to have fun making that team yeah, and seeing what they can do with it, and like the whole space should almost have a contest. Maybe the winning lineup is it involves it, but it's just seeing like who makes the best lineup, but you have to play those two. Dietrich is going to be on my version of that team 100%. I'm glad you brought that up. So be, I want to take this board down and just really quickly do our first round leaders. But but Joel, maybe you have something on this because Feinberg has already said his piece and Spencer, to some degree, maybe you have more ha has said his just by picking uh, Thomas Dietrich. I'll take it down right now. Um, the names that I think could go with your lineup that, that weren't said, and I just think for the benefit of the audience, like I'm a, I might be dead wrong here, but these are the names that I like. Um, Hillier was one of them for sure. Lee Hodges, who I was all over last week, is definitely one of them at 6,400. Richie Ramsey at 5,900. Antoine Rosner at 5,800. And then maybe even Charles Schwartzel at 5,800 as well. Those are guys that I would feel somewhat comfortable putting in a lineup, particularly if I'm going like super high, Joel, like you did. Are there any names that sort of fit that mold for you? Another guy I didn't take that was definitely on my radar, Robert McIntyre who has a good history playing in this tournament. He just almost won a tournament last week. Uh, so he's got good form at only 6,800. Um, you know, he's affordable. And Jordan Smith, who always seems to have at least a good round. I play him in showdown. Um, he actually played decently at the U.S. Open in that tournament as well. So I think he could be another guy, again, in the 6K range that, that would be on my radar in this type of build. And Lou is another guy I feel like I might get try to put in these builds. An open championship, uh, you know, it's hard to make sense of what he's doing on on live. But if he's ever going to get ready for a tournament off on that farm, it would be this one. Sixty nine hundred, such a proven open guy. Yeah, for sure, that's totally fair. Spencer, any other names for you? There's one other name that came up, Joel, when you mentioned uh, the the name Jordan, Matthew Jordan at sixty five hundred. 
uh, makes some sense to me. He's been really good at the world tour. He made the Scottish, he made the, the cut at the Scottish open, but he finished 77th, but just an FYI, he did shoot an 80 during round four. So you can hold that against him if you want, but I just kind of want to put that out there. He probably, if that was a kind of a decent weather day, maybe it, 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 it changes for him, but at 6,500, I think he's a value as well. Spencer, anybody on your list before we get to our first round leaders? I mean, I talked about Putnam, Poston. I think that you're on the something with Lee Hodges there, Sia. Um, I, I would consider Taylor Moore. I know the recent form hasn't been great, but I kind of like the course fit for him. Ben Griffin, if we're getting really gross into that 6,000 range, but that's about as low as I'm going to get. Like once I get further than that, I'm pretty much out on everybody. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Zach says Marcel seen uh, as a 5K dart. I, I, he's he's okay. He was at, we, we talked about him in our Discord last night. Uh, Jeff, any other low end players that we haven't mentioned? No, I'm kind of with Spence. Like there gets to be a point where I'm just out on everybody. Yeah, I get that. I mean, the, the truth is, you don't really want to be speculating too much in this range. Like it, to me. I, I will have some lineups that like have some value to them that, that actually go into this range, maybe like one guy. But to me, these are like the $3, like, you know, the, the try to try to just throw it into the lottery with, with Scotty and maybe Rory or Scotty and whoever, and you take two guys down here and hope they top 30. I would be interested to like, see who the most popular players are in the specific Scotty Rory build. Like I would suspect, mm -hmm. like Robbie Bobby Max is going to be like maybe the most popular, yes. and maybe even y Ewan, because uh, he seems to be getting a lot of hype. But I, I don't know. In my own little world, I'm curious to see like the most popular combos there. I, well, I can go ahead. I can give an answer. I mean, I don't know if this is necessarily where the combos are going here, but I can tell you where my model has people going in this range when they are building up at the top. It's Robert McIntyre. Jordan Smith, Louis Oosthuizen, uh, Ferguson, Hillier, Grio, Southgate, Alexander, Bjork. That would be the top handful there that seem to be getting fit into a lot of those big names. And by the way, if you want to do the, one of those lineups, because everybody is going to, like, because it's fun, right? Everybody's going to be doing, like, the Scotty Roy thing. Maybe grab Scotty, and because he's, he's going to be the lesser owned of the two, most likely. Roy's going to be the highest owned in that range. Maybe do Scotty and somebody like Cameron Smith or Scotty and even John Rahm, who's not carrying a lot of ownership. Even Brooks Kepka, Xander Schauffele, Victor Hovland. So if you're building that build, you don't have to take the top two guys. Like there is a there's a range of outcomes where Roy McIlroy doesn't have a good tournament because, listen, it's 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 like every few months where we're kind of like laughing about Roy to some degree because he's not like the Roy that, that we, you know, think he is. Granted, lately he's really, truly been that guy. But I mean, he could have a, he could stub his toe very, very easily. Joel, first it. round leaders. We are not done yet. Before we do first round leaders, uh, Dave in the chat asked about our take on Jordan Spieth this week. Spence, we'll start with you. Do you have a take on Jordan Spieth? A, a little bit. Um, I think he's very boomer bust. I, I know the, the tournament history at an open championship looks really good. I, I guess my biggest concern with him would be that because you do have out of bounds that are sometimes just right off the fairway, I could see implosion potential coming into play at some point for him in the tournament. It doesn't even mean it doesn't happen until Sunday. Like he could be in contention and then blow himself up, but that would be my one concern for him. Um, I think he has a very high ceiling. I think his floor when uh, comparing him to, let's just say anybody $9,000 or above 
I would say he probably has the lowest floor of anybody in this tournament. So that worries me ever so slightly. Yeah, I'll just quickly say I don't love his current form at 9,700. There's, there's other guys I'd rather go through in that price range. So I'm going to be out. Uh, what about you, Jeff? I wish I could play devil's advocate, but he's just, I'm not a Spieth guy. I'm not a Spieth guy at this price. And I'm not a Spieth guy when the misses and the landmines can just cause the problems. See ya. Uh, you know, from a game theory standpoint, he makes sense. It, he's probably going to be five, six percent. Matt Fitzpatrick makes sense for the same reasons, and he's probably playing a little bit better than Spieth. I liked Spieth as an outright last week, but it was more of a hunch. So it'd be one thing if I liked his metrics coming in, and then I would, I might go back to him this week because nobody's going to be on him. And I, if I liked him two weeks ago, I should like him this week too. But the reality is, it was just a hunch. So it wasn't like metrics that were actually backing my Spieth. I didn't play him in DFS, but my Spieth outright. And so I I, I got to be out here. But from a game theory standpoint, he certainly makes sense. I like it. I appreciate it. All right. Well, we're over time. We're going to give you our first round leaders. We'll move quickly and get us out of here for the first round leader market. Spence, why don't you pick yourself? Who are you looking at in the first round leader market? Chris Kirk, 125 to one. I think uh, Kirk has some DFS playability also. Nobody Me took too. him, but I think he's an intriguing name. And then Jason Day, 80 to one. Classic. I love it. Vintage. I love it. Jeff, do you have any first round leader plays for us this week? First round leader. Uh, I don't mind Dustin Johnson uh, flirting north of 40 to one to get off to the nice start. And I could also be tempted. Um, I could also be tempted in this market to play. Uh, it's not really my thing. Yeah, that's I'm not tempted. Sam Burns. I like it. I, I like Sam Burns this week. That's another name that we didn't talk about that I think has playability. So he was the guy I was debating between Finau. Um, yeah, he hits it straight. He hits pots. The approach is improving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, I'm glad someone mentioned Sam Burns because I do like him this week as well. All right. I have a few first round leader plays. I'll go through them quickly. I like Patrick Reed at 60 to one. My favorite first round leader play is Cameron Young at 55 to one. And I also want to put out there Tommy Fleetwood at 40 to 1. All right. Sia, tell us who you are looking at. Who are we locking in for Thursday morning? Okay. I have five here. One's like a super long shot. So it's really kind of four. Actually, two are kind of long shot-ish. Uh, let's start with Ricky Fowler at 35 to 1. I'm, I'm agreeing with you, Joel, on Tommy Fleetwood at 40 to 1. By the way, these are all morning tea times. Uh, Taylor Gooch at 65 to one. That's really more of a speculating on what I've seen in live in terms of his finishing positions. Like he's been flat out dominant. If his name wasn't Taylor Gooch and it was like Dustin Johnson or Cameron Smith, we'd be like, oh my God, Dustin Johnson is dominating the live tour. But it's his name is Taylor Gooch. So we're like, oh, he's been really good on the live tour. Well, so I'm willing to speculate at least for a round at 65 to one. Sepp Straka brought him up earlier. I mean, he is like the guy you should be speculating on whether it's showdown or first round leader. So Sepp Strzok is 100 to 1. So that's obviously a long shot. But again, morning tea time, I think it's in play. But your first round leader, like the one that's like pretty much a lock, right? We know how uh, reliable these first round leaders are. They're, they're always locks. They always come in. This is always a sarcastic bit, everybody. So some people don't get that. But the point is, your first round leader, this is really interesting because this guy is classically great with the ball striking. In the last... Prior to the Scottish Open, the, the eight or nine tournaments before that, he was he was awesome with the ball striking. Well, last week he was pretty good at the Scottish Open, but he was horrific with the ball striking, losing over five strokes ball striking somehow and gaining, I believe, 11 or 12 strokes in the short game department. 
And I think the ball striking is going to come back. Like I'm not worried about one tournament where the ball striking wasn't there. So I'm going to go with at 45 to one, a guy that's a perfect fit for the open championship, a guy that's always been good in the ball striking department with the one small exception being last week. And a guy that appears to have, you know, usually has the short game, but really found his short game, really dialed it in last week. I think most people know who I'm talking about at this point, your first round leader at the open championship. Listen, it's, it's, I'll tell you right now, it's July 18th. So this is going to be on July 20th. I am telling you what the future is going to be. Your first round leader at the Open Championship is Shane Lowry at 45 to 1. You're welcome, everybody. That was easy. That easy. You just bet Shane Lowry, and then you yeah. have 45 times more dollars that you had before you bet Shane Lowry. So mm -hmm. it's really that easy. It's that simple. It's pretty much a lock. I'm sure it's going to go down to a pick them by the time this podcast gets out there. The line's going to Yeah, maybe. Them. Maybe You're like just moving numbers all over the place. Yeah, moving right now. Uh, we had a lot of fun tonight, Jeff. We really appreciate you coming on and drafting with us tonight. Uh, before we wrap up, is there anywhere else that we can find you this week? Uh, Friday, I'll be doing a live cut sweat with uh, with Pat. It was sort of bring that cut sweat home. I guess it'll be Friday afternoon. Uh, that's sort of, I guess, my next uh, obligation. Looking forward to that final major of the year. Everything that you put out, especially with Pat, is amazing content. Be sure to check it out on Friday. Appreciate you joining us again. We had a ton of fun drafting with you. See ya. What else did I forget? Well, there's one really important thing you forgot, and uh, it's a little disappointing. I'm not, like, mad. I'm just disappointed. Sports. <laughs>